Welcome to Forte Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Schroll, in the Red Sea Radio's Global Station Network. It is good to be here with you today. I know a lot of you are on your Thanksgiving break, so you might be driving in your car, heading out to go see family. So, howdy family, and I hope your car ride is going better than mine, that uh, I have two very small children, so drives are pretty difficult, but I often... uh, I often think when I'm in the car, because what we do to fix it is we just hand them like my wife's cell phone and they get to watch Netflix. I have no idea how people parented 10, 15 years ago before cell phones, before Netflix. Like it's, it's the greatest parenting tool of all time. So if this is the first time that you are listening to Forte Catholic Radio, I just want to welcome you here today. Uh, so it's, a, it's an odd name. Why, Forte Catholic. Why is it called that? Well, number one, I am a very loud person. I'm also very Catholic. So the, the word forte has a couple of meanings. It means very loud. Not only am I a loud Catholic, but I want uh, to set you up and to help you out to live your faith in a loud way, in a, in a way that you are able to share it with, with all those around you. So we have a great show for you here today. We're going to be talking about music. We're going to be talking about Thanksgiving a little bit. We're also going to have a great guest in our second segment in about 17 minutes with Kyle Hyman. He's a member of Popple, who's a great Catholic group has been going around to youth conferences and youth events and youth retreats for many, many years. I have a great story to share about him later. Um, so tune in for that as well. In my preparation for the show today, I uh, was I was wondering what we we're going to talk about. So we, we celebrate Thanksgiving this week. We celebrate um, the greatest holiday of the, the whole year, Black Friday. I mean, <laughs> that's just, that's just a great time. Uh, the next the next day, you know, is a uh, Small Business Saturday. That's another favorite holiday of mine. And then also Monday, Cyber Monday holds a special place in my heart because when I was in grad school, I was absolutely broke, and um, I, I was able to you know, put things on my credit card. And then I would, I was a waiter at an Applebee's shout out to all my, all my fans over at the Applebee's. And I would, uh, you know, just put stuff on my credit card. And then at the end of the month, we'd be able to pay my credit card off. Well, on Cyber Monday one year, some jerk decided to, you know, get my credit card information and completely max out my credit card on Cyber Monday. So I went to go like pay for gas or something. They're like, your, your card's declined. I'm like, that's weird. I have a very large credit limit and I don't spend that much money in a day, um, like thousands of dollars. So, uh, of course, they canceled the car. They took care of the charges, but I didn't have a credit card for a while. So that was a very frustrating day. So I needed to get back to Thursday and being thankful for what I actually did have. Right. So also in pre- preparation for today, I did something very, very special. I cut my hair because you always you, you know that you just have to look nice for radio because that's what really matters is having a perfect haircut for radio. So now, I want to talk about a couple of things today. I actually have two people who came into the to the to the show today. One that I know very well. Her name is Sam Shepard, and she does not want to say an, a word because she is super scared of microphones. Another guy is named Artie. Say what's up, Artie. Howdy, everybody. Good to see everybody. I, <laughs> I hear everybody. I, I think I met you before, but I don't know who you are. You're just sitting on yeah, the show. Yeah, I don't know you either. <laughs> yeah. So, so Artie's here. So I have a, I have a question for you, Artie. What's I, up? I asked you this earlier, and you. Googled a question that had nothing to do with this. So what do you think the most used verb in the Bible is? Mm, go. Go. <laughs> like God's just telling people to go. It's like, go. No, that's, that's not it. So um, if uh, Jake, what do you think the most used verb in the Bible is? I mean, I think it would have to be like be because there's so many different, like is comes from that. I like am, be, you know, all those. I think that's, that would have to be it. He said lots of words, but I don't think it was a sentence. So that's Jake Blasek, our wonderful producer. Um, we revo- we revoked word. his uh, talking privileges a few weeks ago. I think we might have to do that again. So, um, so the most used verb in the Bible is to love, right? We know that God is love, so to love, all, all of these things. I guess that kind of uh, makes sense. That, I, I guess so. Okay. So uh, to love is a very um, important thing. What do you think the second most used verb is? Uh, verb is? I'll give you a hint. It's not one of the bad guesses you had a second ago. What do you think, Artie? I want to say B. Yeah. I, B. I literally just told you that it's none of the ones that y'all just guessed. He okay. lost all talking all privileges. Right. Turn his mic off. Jake, what do you Sorry, think? Sorry, Artie. Got to meet you now. Um, let's see. A second second most popular verb. Um, I don't I don't know. Okay. that uh, I, That's a better answer than his. So I was I trying to think of a practical one, yeah. like an actual answer. So the most used verb in the Bible is to love. The second most used verb in the Bible is to sing. You wouldn't think that, right? But uh, if you think about it, okay, what's the biggest... 
the biggest book in the Bible. Artie, did you know that? I'll let you re- resume your, your uh, attempts here. The biggest book in the Bible? Isaiah. Incorrect. I was going to guess Besides Exodus. Psalms. Besides the Psalms, yes. Oh, so yeah, Psalms. it's the Psalms, right? So that kind of helps it out, right? So to sing, the Psalms are literally a book of songs, right? The Psalms actually means praise. So these are songs of praise that either David wrote or some say Solomon wrote or some other people wrote and they compiled these and these are great songs of praise. So uh, Kyle Hyman is coming on the show later. So I always like to, whenever we have a guest on, is going to talk about something. He's a, he's a musician. He's a speaker. And we're going to be talking about how music and comedy fit into our faith and to evangel- evangelization. So I just want to talk about music here for a little bit because music's been a big part of my life. I, I went and studied music in undergrad. I, um, it was actually, music was actually a huge part of my conversion because I went, whenever I was in junior high, it was a very wonderful year. Just picture me, shorter, more hair, and a heck of a lot more pimples. That was me in junior high, right? I loved music. I was into rap. I was into classic rock. I was into all, all kinds of things, right? So I loved music, but then I'd go to church on Sunday mornings and I couldn't stand the music. I was in that like junior high stage where like everything at church was boring, right? I would go, I would go to mass and like, I loved music, but I didn't love the music at mass. So there was this big disconnect for me. And then I started going to like junior high rallies and, and hearing other people do like praise and worship style music. And I was like, oh, this is music at church that isn't terrible and boring, right? This is, this is cool. I can get behind this, right? So it was actually when I was in high school, I had my uh, conversion experience coming into high school. And the thing that like kept me going and the thing that kept me connected to the church was actually music. I started running, running the sound and doing, being like the tech guy for our, our praise and worship band for our, our youth group. And then eventually started, they, they, uh, they tricked me. They told me that I had to come to this, to this uh, retreat. Um, and I was just, you know, the sound tech guy. And then when I got there, they were like, everyone has to sing. And I'm like, assuming it's not me because I wouldn't sing. Like I got made fun of every time I sang when I was in junior high because people in junior high are mean. <laughs> but I, uh, so they forced me to sing. And then from that retreat, all of a sudden I was the lead singer for this worship band. And I was like, wait a second, how did this happen? <laughs> this is, this is not what, this is not my plan. So, um, after, after a while I continued doing that and I, I just really fell in love with praise and worship music. So I just wanted to kind of talk about how that, that music has, has, has affected my life and affected my, my prayer. So every time that we, that we do praise and worship, whether we're in mass, anytime we're using any kind of music within a church setting, it's always to facilitate prayer, right? Um, so it's, all, it's one of those funny things that we don't want it to get in the way of prayer, which honestly for me, bad music totally does. If I go to a mass and like somebody's singing like, you know, eight, like eight notes out of key, I'm like, nope. Totally getting further from God right now because I'm judging that lady, right? Um, it's supposed to facilitate our prayer. So there's there's something to be said about the beauty of music and, and, and the talented musicians giving their gifts back to God and using those gifts that God has given them to um, help us to pray. But then also it's it's one of those things that you, you he, we've, we've heard that saints say, to sing is to pray twice, right? And it's actually funny. We actually misquoted a lot. It's actually to s- singing well is praying twice. And now everybody's sitting there in your car like, oh man, I can't sing worth a lick, right? And what he he means by singing well, it's not, oh, you sound pretty and you have this beautiful opera voice, which we all think we do when we're in the shower. But what it really means is like, I'm singing with my whole being. I'm singing with my whole heart. I'm singing with my whole mind. I'm, I'm focused on this. I'm actually engaging in this because there's, if you ever like read through song lyrics. So if you, if you read through Amazing Grace, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Like, it sounds like a nursery rhyme, right? (laughs) Like, it's not, for me at least, it's not as prayerful as when we sing it. There's something about singing that song. There's so much connected to that music. You know, it's, it's played a lot at, at funerals. It's played a lot at like beautiful church ceremonies. So we have this like uh, emotional connection to it that we wouldn't if we just spoke it. So there's, there is something to be said about uh, music facilitating our prayer and helping us out in our prayer. So um, it, this music was a big thing that brought me into the church. It kept me in the church, and it's still a big way that I pray. I love leading worship. I love being around other great musicians who, uh, who can help facilitate um, me in prayer and, and, and the group in prayer as well. So there's a couple of things that we need to answer about Worship. Whenever we come to mass, whenever we come to a youth group, whenever you come to whatever, and you're and and we're singing, 
It's what am I doing and why am I here? So what are we doing when we praise? Um, Alleluia, if you wanted to, I'm, I'm going to let, let these guys in the studio play a guessing game again. So what do you think? That, what, there's a, a translation game. Alleluia. What does Alleluia mean? Hmm. Not to give thanks. That's the Eucharist. Alleluia. Praise. Praise. Praise who? Praise God. Right. Okay. So we actually cut it short. It's actually Alleluiaway, right? So it's <laughs> it's praise. Allelu is praise. And then Yahweh was what the like how God was referred to in the Old Testament times. So when we're saying Alleluia, we're saying praise God. This Psalms or this whole big book of praise. We see this again at, at Pentecost in Acts chapter two, uh, the final res- result of disciples being filled with the Holy Spirit as they were on Pentecost was proclaiming the mighty acts of God. So whenever we come to, to mass, we always start with an opening hymn, right? Before we do anything, we start with a song of praise. And it's, it's cool how uh, the mass is set up so that we have all these different sorts of prayers. We have praise. If you think of the Gloria, we praise you, we bless you, we adore you, you're awesome, you're mighty. Like we're saying all these words that build God up, and those are all words to praise God, right? And then we have the, um, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous <laughs> fault, we're like saying you know, prayers of confession. And then we have the Eucharist, which, which already said, you know, prayers of thanksgiving. Um, and then we had the petitions where we're asking for things, right? So all these four ma- major ways of praying are in mass. And what's funny, when we come to personal prayer a lot, like you come before a test or you come and you're sitting and it's like, uh, we go to pray whenever we want stuff, right? God, help me on this test that I didn't study for, right? Help me, uh, help me. Like we, we just prayed um, before the show, like help, you know, help the show go well, help us to um, communicate well, all those sorts of things. Like we typically, when we pray, we start with asking for stuff, right? Uh, it's like God is Santa, you know, Christmas is coming up. It's like God's Santa and we want the gifts, right? But typically how we're supposed to start prayer and how the mass teaches us to start prayer is through praise, Right. So, so that's the, what am I doing? Well, why am I here? The catechism of the Catholic church um, says it this way. I'm going to read it verbatim because they're uh, the, the catechism is this, um, it's brought the theology of the church all brought together into one book. So there's, there's teachings of bishops. There's the teachings of the apostles. There's stuff from the scripture. There's stuff from saints and they're a lot smarter than me. So uh, if you don't like what I have to say for the next like 19 seconds, you just get to hear from smarter people. So here we go. Catechism number 2639. Praise is the form of prayer that recognizes most immediately that God is God. It lauds God for his own sake and gives him glory quite beyond what he does, but simply because he is by praise. The spirit is joined to our spirits to bear witness that we are children of God. Praise embraces all other forms of prayer and carries them toward him who is its source and goal. So I I, I love that the source of all of our prayer is God the father. My favorite parts of this is like, we're, we're glorifying God, not just for the, not just for the things that he has done. He's done great things, but we're praising God, not just for the good things he's done in our life, but simply because he is God. I think of the story of Job a lot. You know, if you, if you've heard the story of Job, um, it, it, this, it's this story to show like this guy, it, this guy named Job is just suffering and struggling. All these things come, come into his life. He gets sick. His family gets sick. His, he loses like all his, a lot of all of his possessions and all these things. Things are going terribly. And all it is is the evil one trying to get him to not praise God anymore, to not trust God anymore. And Job continually says, no matter what happens, that you know, God is my God and I'll continue to, to praise him. And I, I, I love that because I feel like a lot of times, like when things are going well in my life, I want to come praise. God, you're awesome. This is great. This week of Thanksgiving, I'm so thankful. This is awesome, right? But God is still God whenever we're having a bad week, right? He's still God um, on that Cyber Monday whenever I got my card stolen, right? He's still God and he still wants me to praise him. He still, he still deserves my praise no matter what is going on. So, um, we have a, a couple minutes left, and what I want to do uh, in this first segment, and what I want to do is walk through some of the Psalms, because the Psalms are this book of praise, and I, I want to walk through some of them, um, starting in Psalm uh, 95, verse 2. Uh, it says, greet God with songs of praise. Uh, the next one, enter, his, enter, enter the temple gates with praise. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart, from the rising of the sun to, to its getting let 
to its setting, not getting, from the rising of the sun to its setting, let the name of the Lord be praised. Pray, bless the Lord at all times. Praise shall always be in my mouth. All you people, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful cries, sing praise to God, sing praise, shout joyfully to God, give him glorious praise. I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands, calling on your name. My soul shall savor, my soul shall savor the rich banquet of praise. So this is just like 10 verses that I just went through from the Psalms, just talking about how we're supposed to praise God in all circumstances. Whenever we enter into the temple gates, which for us is the church, right? Whenever we enter the, the church, we should be starting our prayer with praise. And like, we're praising God with my whole heart for me uh, like growing up. And even, even still times now, I want to praise God with like half of my energy or half of my half of, you know, I'm distracted and I don't have every, he wants to, us to give our whole heart when we're praising, right? To give our, our, our bodies, our minds, our, 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 um, our consciousness, our, our focus, everything to him. Um, and what's funny too, is I, I uh, we're going to have Kyle Hyman on here, uh, right after the break. And he, if you've, if you've ever seen Popple or heard of Popple, they are so much fun. They're uh, acoustic, uh, Catholic humor rock. It, they, they, they work a lot with junior high students. They're so much fun at youth events. And I love this, this shout joyfully to God. All you people clap your hands. Um, they were here in the Bryan College station area in March or April. And we were just rolling laughing in the back. So um, he's going to be talking to us about how he uses music and humor and all these sorts of things to help in his evangelization. So um, stay tuned for that. And as, as we finish this segment, I just want to uh, um, encourage you to continue to whenever you're, whether you're musically talented or not, I always say there's one of two things that you can do when you come into church. Number one, if you think you have a beautiful voice, like give that back to God. It's a great gift that he's given you. Sing as loud as you can. Help help the church. If you have a bad voice, that's your opportunity to show God what he did to you. Just give, just give him that terrible voice right back. So we will be back in about four minutes with Kyle Hyman from Popple. to Forte Catholic Radio. I am your host, Taylor Schroll, in the studio with a couple of random hooligans. Uh, Jake Blazik here, our masterful producer. And we are on the line with uh, Kyle Hyman. I'm very excited to have him here. So, Kyle, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you doing, Taylor? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to have you on. Uh, we, uh, we've been, we both actually just got a radio show within the past few months or so, with, within this year. So it's, uh, it's been cool. We've been listening to each other's shows. So how, how are you, man? I'm doing so good. It's, yeah, it's fun being like radio pals. Yeah, for radio sure. Radio DJ pals. Sure. So why don't you tell us a little about your show first before we get into anything else? Uh, how long you been doing it and what's your show about? Uh, we just did uh, episode 109 this morning. Uh, we do it morning, so it's from 6 to 8 a.m. Eastern. And so it makes for early mornings, but it's been a lot of fun. Just uh, I get a lot of guests on, and my whole goal is to just learn as much as possible and let other people go along on the journey. We play games and, and have guests on and learn about their books, and, and uh, it, it's, it's been an, uh, a great experience. Yeah, my favorite part of your show is when you have that priest on and y'all try different kind of guacamoles and he gives them a grade. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, we, <laughs> flavor of the week where we meet up with a priest each Monday and, and do something food related and get to know him better. <laughs> that's a lot of fun. I listened to that. I was like, this is fantastic Catholic radio. So, uh, so uh, yeah, just how, how can people uh, get, get a hold of your show? Uh, just kylehyman.com or if you search for, in, in any podcatcher, if you search for the Kyle Hyman show. It's uh, yeah, we, we take the two hour morning show and pare it down to 30 to 40 minutes for the podcast of just kind of the best of. Oh, gotcha. I didn't realize that was how it worked. Yeah. So I, I've just, I've only listened to the podcast. So, um, so before we get any further, I just want to introduce um, our listeners to you. So just tell us a little about, about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Well, I am in Indiana, and I started doing youth ministry, and that kind of branched. I started playing music with another guy named Dan Harms, and the two of us started 
playing music together at our retreats and things. And then all of a sudden it started growing more and more. And our group uh, we called Popple, which uh, was a horrible name to choose and something that we would regret for the rest of our lives. It would uh, just kind of grew and grew to where we were traveling all over the country. We've done some international things and we kind of do acoustic humor, folk beard rock is, is kind of what we've kind of pigeonholed our genre. <laughs> and I play ukulele. Dan plays guitar. Uh, we'll play kazoos and harmonicas and whatever else we can get our hands on. You've, and you've added some, uh... have some fun and that's using that, the humor and the music as, kind of a, a foot in the door to get people's attention and let their guard down and say, Oh, I, I thought this was going to be, you know, really boring. I wasn't going to pay attention, but maybe I'll listen to what they have to say. <laughs> You've added a couple. I've all, I only have Catholic acoustic humor rock. You added, you added beard and what else? Uh, folk. Folk. There you go. Yeah. You're, you're a lot yeah. of, you're a lot of fun, man. We, we had you come in to uh, revive, um, here a couple of uh, months ago, it, me, me and a lot of my staff, as you as you guys were playing for our junior high kids, our high school kids, man, we were just in the back rolling laughing. Y'all are way too much fun. So bef- before we get into a little bit more of that, you said that you don't like the name. So what? So I love the name. I think it's hilarious. But why don't you like the name? Well, it's because it, it really has no significance. And so everybody expects like, oh, you're a Catholic band it must, your name must mean something, you know, which, which would be a very noble thing to do to have a name that meant something. Uh, but in reality, it was just a campsite that we stayed at and we kept on making fun of it because it was, it was actually kind of a horrible experience. And, uh, and so whenever we were coming up for band names, we had a whole list of names and we had people vote for it and everybody kept on saying, what's popple. And then we tell them the story about this horrible p- camping experience. And they say, Oh, that's hilarious. I'll vote for that one. And so it ended up winning. But when we first started playing together, we, we just thought this was something that was going to be kind of a goof around thing that we do for a year, playing at coffee shops and retreats and stuff. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't expect that this would stick with us you know, 12 years later, 13 years later. Yeah, I have to say, you guys have stuck around. Whenever, whenever we met um, a couple of months ago, I told you a really, really neat story that I want to share now. It's about the first time I actually saw you guys. I was in, uh, in junior high in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, and you guys came and played at the junior high youth rally where I was a junior high youth. And so uh, yeah. I, I, I loved you guys. It was, it was so much fun. I was that, that junior high student that thought it was going to be super boring, but I loved you guys. It was so much fun. And then so, you know, tr- fast forward, whatever, 9, 10, 11 years, and here I am at an event just like that, inviting you guys to come. And I'm sitting in the back of the event because I, I went to that event in junior high with my mom and I sat there with her and listened to you guys. And I'm, I'm in the back of, of the event while y'all are playing. And I, I look down and I see a junior high kid sitting with his mom at this junior high event. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's like Catholic inception. It's happened again. And I'm like, in, in 15 years, that guy is going to be leading a retreat. He's going to invite you guys. So, um, it's really neat because like one of the things that I was thinking about before you came on was that not a lot of people in youth ministry last very long. They're not able to keep up with the times to keep up with youth culture. And you guys have because y'all are still rocking it. So how do you guys do that? Oh, we just haven't grown up. I mean, I, <laughs> I, the things that entertained me when I was a kid still entertain me today. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, it, part of it is just being yourself. So, I mean, I don't try to pretend to understand things about culture that I don't understand. And I think people accept that, you know, I think there are some very charismatic and amazing youth ministers that, you know, couldn't tell you the first thing about a Justin Bieber song or, you know, have no social media accounts, but they're authentic and they, they love God and they want to share that with other people. And people are drawn to that. So I don't think that you need to uh, constantly be, on the verge of, of everything pop culture to relate to young people. I do think it helps. I think it's, it's good to know what's out there and to be aware and to try to be relevant and tie things in when you can. Um, but I, I, I think it's better to be yourself than to be fake and fake relevance or something like that. But um, I don't know. I, th- I think part of it for us is the way that we've, combined humor and music and 
uh, constantly trying to challenge ourselves to come up with new material. It's kind of hard, especially now. I I live in Indiana and Dan lives in Virginia, so sometimes it's kind of hard for us to come up with new routines, new music, new uh, bits and activities and games and things like that. But uh, I think it's important that we keep on challenging ourselves to grow and to be creative and come up with new ways to reach out. And you know, the things that worked ten years ago, some of them still work. And some of them don't because kids are completely different, you know, from from the junior kid, junior high kid that was sitting there at the retreat this year versus you when you're in middle school, you know. So I think um, I think it's just kind of that balance of being aware of what's going on, but also just uh, being enthusiastic about your faith. And I think at a certain point, if you're having fun, that's that's contagious. You know, other people like watching people have fun. And that was, I remember that was our goal early on. Whenever we first started playing at coffee shops and stuff, we decided, you know what, if nothing else happens, we're going to have fun tonight. You know, let's just have as much fun as we can. And people enjoy that. And people are not only entertained themselves, but it, it brings people joy to see people enjoying themselves. And when we can combine our faith and our love of God with our joy and our happiness, then I think it, there's a contagiousness to that too. Yeah. So y'all bring, as, as you said, comedy and music and y'all are great storytellers. Like what would you say to, okay, because a lot of times when people come to youth events or leaders would come and say, oh, they need to learn the Bible. They need to learn the catechism. They need to learn this, this, and this, and this. And then they see you come and you guys are just having, quote unquote, just having fun. So what is how you do your comedy, your music, your good storytelling? How does that evangelize how does that connect to our faith at all well for one i think it's different for every event and it kind of depends on the group on where they are and where we can go and so that always starts with the discussion with the people that brought us in you know give us a little uh, a little rundown on where these kids are you know what have they experienced what songs do they already know you know how how deep are they into their faith and a lot of times at bigger events it's a mix of people you know, but at a at a parish retreat or something like that, you might have a very kind of locked in group or a very distant group that are all forced to be there. And so part of it is knowing the audience and knowing where they are and how far you could take them in the given time that we have. But really, the the comedy and the entertainment side of things is is really that foot in the door, getting somebody to open the door and let you, you know, make your case. And if we can kind of win them over with some entertainment, then they're open to hearing what we have to say whenever we start sharing our faith and why we're Catholic and why we travel around the country telling people about Jesus. You know, if we just kind of launched in from the very beginning with, you know, in First Thessalonians, St. Paul said immediately walls will go up. You know, and there's some people that are going to be into that. And if if we know that, then we can go there right away. But usually there's at least a portion of the group that is going to put up a wall immediately when you start quoting the catechism. And so humor, good storytelling, music, these are all ways that we can kind of break down that wall and say, hey, let's have some fun here. And then once we kind of win them over, uh, as some would say, you know, earn the right to be heard, then we can share our faith. So for for me personally i kind of if you take the, that trilogy of those three things i'm not a great musician by any means and i'm not the most hilarious person and i'm not the best storyteller but somehow i've been able to combine my maybe a third of each one maybe i'm a third good at telling stories and a third a little bit funny and a little bit you know able to play a ukulele and so uh, I, I guess we've just kind of come up with a mix that works to open up that door to to uh, win people over for a little bit so that we can share our faith with them. Yeah, it totally works. It worked for me. It, it worked for me in junior high. It worked for me a couple of months ago. And it's obviously working for some other people because y'all have been booked and busy for, uh, you said, 11 years now? I, I It's probably been like 13 or 14. 13 or 14. That, I think about it. That's great. That that That's fantastic. So... What is it? So you, we, um, when you, when you guys come into a church, you, you start off with music and fun. 
And then you get to a teaching point. What does that transition look like? Because I think a lot of people would struggle with that um, on, on how to do that. How do we balance the, you know, the fun and the teaching? Like, how do you transition from you have us all rolling laughing to sharing your faith? What does that typically look like? Well, I, I would say, first of all, it's not very typical. I think it, it again, d- depends on the group and how much time we have and, and how drawn in they are. But usually I can tell a personal story that has some, some funny things into it. And so it, it might make you laugh a little bit and eventually you start getting engaged in the story. And then there's kind of some point or meaning to it. And that can kind of launch us into the next step of going a little bit deeper. So some of it's a transition storytelling wise. Sometimes we make that transition music wise. We used to, when we first started doing things, we used to actually assign different songs, a power rating, and then in Excel go and plot the set list. And so that the power rating was always like a roller coaster with not ever any like severe uh, inclines or drops, but kind of some smooth rolling where it kind of picked up and you had a lot of fun and then slows down and gets a little more serious. And we tried to do like two arcs during a set, but now I think that's a little bit more natural. And instead of planning that out in advance, we can kind of play it by ear and see how the audience is responding. But to kind of transition from, you know, something that's completely goofy and random and has no point to something that's a little bit more serious and it's still silly, but has a a message to it to, all right, now we're going to, you know, kind of draw you in and tell you a story about St. Peter walking on water and really, you know, make it kind of come alive during the storytelling and play a song and then just launch into a talk after that. So it just kind of depends on the event and, and how the audience is responding. That's a lot of fun. One of my favorite things that y'all did when y'all came here, and you can explain it a little better than I can, but it's the, the bit that y'all do where you have like different ch- kids come up to play different instruments. That was like my favorite part of the whole thing. So you had a kid come up and play. Y'all were playing a song. Kid came up and played kazoo. What? I refresh my memory on that. How did that go? Well, again, this is kind of different every time. I just go on Amazon usually before I gig, and I'll I'll order a bunch of children's instruments, and we'll bring them out. And it might be you know egg shaker, a slide whistle, a harmonica, a kazoo, a xylophone. Who knows? And we'll get up and I'll play the ukulele. And we'll do a chorus where everybody sings along and then kids from the audience or sometimes, you know, chaperones or adults or whatever will play their instrument as a solo. And it, it is always entertaining. Very seldom is it musically amazing <laughs> or even musically uh, tolerable, but it's always <laughs> fun. And, and because it's children's toys, there's no expectation like that you're going to be great. So whenever they fail at it, there's not, and it, it, it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings or anything. It's just hilarious. But it's a way to get, I, I think a lot of times, especially when there's a, a literal stage, there can be a separation between the performer and the audience. And we really try to break that down as much as possible as, you know, coming out into the crowd, getting people up on stage, interacting, you know, making jokes or, or you know, recognizing people in the audience so that it's not... Uh, uh, there's not that barrier there. Again, you know, anytime that we can kind of reach out and just by pulling one person up on stage, that person is a representative of everybody in the crowd. So they're able to see themselves up there, even if they're not physically on the stage. And that helps break down that barrier. And again, whenever we start to share our faith, we've got this connection now. Yeah. The funniest part about that, that you don't even know is one of the kids you called up is one of our most musically talented people in our entire school, you can play the piano better than most, you know, uh, professional pianists, uh, piano players. Yeah. And, um, and you gave him a kazoo and he had no idea what to do with it. It was <laughs> super funny. Well, uh, it's been yeah. a pleasure having you on, man. How, how like, I, I know that people listening to this are, 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 are digging it, are digging it and eating it up. So if, the, if they want to find you, you guys and bring you guys out for an event or find out more about you guys, where can they find that out? Yeah. Popple is just popple. Dot us p-o-p-p-l-e dot us because the dot com was taken so jerks and we're on facebook and twitter and and uh individually we're on instagram and snapchat and stuff too so that's a lot of fun so go check them go check them out i also know i, I heard that you have a very special day tomorrow it's your birthday how old are you turning 
It is uh, 37 tomorrow. 37. All right. We have a special gift from you, from uh, from from us here in the office. Uh, so happy birthday to you. Oh, happy yeah. birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kyle. Happy birthday to you. So you were talking about bad musical experience. That's us. Thanks a lot, man, for being on the show. We will be right back. Thanks, Taylor. That was awesome. segment of Forte Catholic Radio. That was a lot of fun with Kyle Hyman of Popple, one of my favorite um, musicians and speakers in the Catholic world today. So much fun. I think I'm going to be on his show here in, in, in next week. We're doing, so are y'all, are y'all fans of uh, like Arrow and The Flash? Y'all like those shows? Yeah. So you know how like they cross over, like the arrows on the Flash's show and the Flash and the Arrow show? That's what me and Kyle decided to do. I was like, hey, Kyle, it'd be awesome if you came and be on my show and I was on your show. So um, I think because I talk faster than he does, I'm going to be the Flash and he's going to be the Arrow. <laughs> and we're having the, the crossover. Not happening on the CW. It's happening right here on Red Sea Radio. So before we get any further, um, my new friend that I just met that's on the radio show today, that's <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, he has to leave to go do schools things or something. But uh, it is Thanksgiving this week. I made the joke earlier that we have all these holidays of Thanksgiving and Black Friday and Cyber Monday and local business Saturday. But the big one is Thanksgiving, and we know that um, having a thankful heart is a, is a big thing in the life of a Christian. So we're going to do that super awkward thing that, like, that we do at, at like family Thanksgivings. Do, y- like, do y'all's family sit around and say, like, before we eat, you have to say something you're thankful for. Have you yeah, ever done that? Yes. You've done that? Jake, have <laughs> you done that? Not anymore. Not anymore? <laughs> Why don't you do it anymore? Because it, it became awkward. It, it became super awkward. It's like, I don't want to be forced to say something nice. <laughs> I want to say it naturally. Like, like, it's so funny. I have so many things to be thankful for, but I also very much want to eat this food sitting in front of me, right? You spend all this time having this food and then you pray for the food and like immediately as good Christians, we know that right after you pray for your food, you're supposed to eat it. And then it's sitting there. We all have to go around the room, say what we're thankful for. I'm like, I'm thankful that most of my other meals, I don't have to say what I'm thankful for and I can just sit down and eat, right? <laughs> so with that out of the way, we're going we're gonna to get the awkwardness out of the way right now, okay? So we're going to go around the room and say what we're thankful for. All right, okay. so, so Artie, what are you thankful for in this, in this season of Thanksgiving? In this season of Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for you. You know, you're a handsome guy. Praise God for you. Um, I'm, I'm taken. <laughs> darn. No, um, I'm thankful for my family. <laughs> Very much for their support and their prayers constantly. I feel their graces coming from them through God. Yep. Awesome. So that's what you're thankful for. Jake, what are you thankful for? I, I mean, it's always a cliche, but I, I'd have to say that it's definitely my my friends and family. Like I've developed a new group after coming out of seminary and uh, getting to know them better. And actually, one of my seminary friends is coming for Thanksgiving with us, so that'll be a okay. true blessing. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. So I, I feel like now we're getting into cliches of like like we're sounding like people whenever they accept the Grammy Award. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank God, and I'd like to thank my beautiful wife, and I'd like to thank every. And then they like go through, and then the music starts playing. It's like, so I, I'm very thankful for my wife and my family for um, for my, my job as a missionary and all those things. Um, the thing I'm very much thankful for here in this season, what I, the, the first thing that came to my mind when I asked the question to you guys, I'm thankful for this show. I've wanted this show for a long time, and it's finally come to fruition. It's so much fun to be on the on the air with you guys, and it's it's been – I'm very thankful for the um, reception that I've gotten, people um, coming to me and saying that they listened to the show, they enjoyed the show, and then seeing people um, – Listen to it on iTunes and on SoundCloud. It's been it's been really cool. So thank you guys um, out there listening. Um, I speaking, listen to it every week. Too. You, you listen to it every week. You're, you're forced to. I'm forced to have at least one person, and um, we have one other person here in the studio, and she's very very thankful that I'm not going to force her to talk on the air. She's very happy for some, She's a, this, her name's Sam. She's a fantastic public speaker, but for some reason she does not like her voice recorded. So uh, she's very thankful for that now. So. Um, Whenever we're thankful, we become a people of joy, right? It's very hard to be thankful and grumpy at the, at the same time, right? So um, uh, Kyle was talking about how he does music and he does comedy and he tells stories. 
we talked in the first segment about music and what music has, has, has meant for me in my life and how it's helped me in my faith. We've talked about worship and what that means for the life of a Christian. Um, he mentioned comedy and like how he like puts people uh, in front of a group of, you know, a junior high people in front of other junior high students and he gives them a kazoo that they've never played before and they just look ridiculous in front of all these people, right? And there's so much joy at it. Like, like seriously, I was about crying laughing and that's when I knew that like I was going to keep my job because my boss was just sitting next to me and just like dying laughing. I'm like, oh, I did good. So, um, I'm not fired. Congratulations me. I'm also thankful for having that <laughs> my job still. So, <laughs> but, um, uh, comedy, like why do we go listen to comedians? Like, it's, it's fun. It helps us to, to kind of lift our spirits. It helps us to, for a moment, like not think about the things that are stressing us out or even they're making fun of the things that are stressing us out, right? So I, I want to talk about joy. I want to finish off the, off the show talking about joy today. Um, and I want to, I want to uh, do that by looking through the lens of this, of this uh, letter that Pope Francis sent out at the beginning of his papacy. And it's one of those things that uh, is called Evangelii Gaudium, which um, no one no one knows, but no one besides the seminary in the room knows what that means because it's in Latin. Um, so uh, here's some insider Catholic information, right? All these fancy Catholic names, like they're actually not creative. They name all their letters by what they say first <laughs> in the letter. So if I wrote you a letter, Sam, it would be, hello, Sam, how are you? Like the name of that letter would be how are you, right? So um, all all this is is Evangelii Gaudium. Evangelii is like the gospel, the good news. Evangelization comes from that. And then Gaudium is joy. So it, means, it, it starts off the first line of this letter. The joy of the gospel fills the hearts and lives of all who encounter Jesus. And what's interesting is like, to, to set all of this up is that a lot of times we're, we as Catholics, um, we, we focus on this thing called Catholic guilt. You know, we're not walking around in victory. We're not walking around in joy. Um, but boy, he's starting us off and saying the joy of the gospel fills the hearts and the lives of all who encounter Jesus. So when we encounter Jesus, we are then a people of joy. And Pope Francis continues saying, those who accept his offer of salvation are set free from sin, sorrow, inner emptiness, and loneliness. So in this in this season of the holidays, sometimes, you know, for me, I love the holidays, but for some people, the holidays are very difficult because these things like sorrow and inner emptiness and loneliness begin to creep into their lives. You know, maybe they don't have a big family to come celebrate with. I know um, um, we've, we've lost people in my family around Thanksgiving time, so I know it's hard for a lot of people in my family where they have this sorrow, inner emptiness, or loneliness, but he connects this with this joy. That when we encounter Jesus, Jesus comes and takes away our sin, our sorrow, and he's there for us in our emptiness and our loneliness. Like he is there for us, which is why we are able to then have that joy and not be, you know, sulking around or, or, or um, kind of engulfed by the sadness. So his, and he's, I, I love when people in books like state their purpose, like here's what I'm going to set out to do, Right. Instead of like, like in homilies a lot, I'm like, what is this guy trying to say? Right. Whenever it's like, what is, what is his purpose? What am I trying to, what is he trying for me to get out of this? Right. Um, Pope Francis is a very good speaker and very good writer. He starts out, he says, my purpose for this exhortation is to embark on a new chapter of evangelization, which is sharing the faith marked by this joy while pointing out new paths for the church's journey to come. So he wants he wants our evangelization, our how we share the faith, how we live our faith, um, all of our all of our our spirituality. He wants that to to he wanted us to shift our focus to joy, right? Because uh, like, what is the the gospel? Literally means good news, right? This is good news. It's great news. There's this Savior who has come to to set you free from your sin, from your slavery, all of these things. He's come to set you free. Like that's fantastic news. But a lot of times, you know, I think we, we go to church or we hear it or we're living our lives. We're like getting down on ourselves whenever, whenever God's like, nope, this is fantastic news. And the most famous line in this, in this book comes next. He says, there are Christians whose lives seem like Lent without Easter, right? So Catholics are good at Lent. We're like known for Lent. It's like, oh, what are you giving up for Lent? I'm like... I love when people are like, I'm giving up cussing. I'm like, I don't think you get the picture, right? You're supposed to give up something good and sacrifice. Like if you're cussing, because what, what you do is you, you give up something for Lent, right? And then on Easter, you celebrate Easter by doing that thing you gave up. 
So what you're telling me is you're just going to like celebrate Easter by like cussing all the day on Easter? Like, no, that's not how it works. You're supposed to fast, give up something good, you know, like what we do on Fridays, right? We give up meat. Meat is fantastic. I mean, look at my stomach. I love me some food. Um, but we can't walk around like we're just in Lent all the time. We're sacrificing and we're struggling and, oh, woe is me. Look at me. I gave up meat on Fridays. I'm a... I'm so sad. It's like, no, like we have to, it's Lent is always connected with Easter. Good Friday is always connected with Easter. Like Christ's death wouldn't have had the impact if he wouldn't have rose from the dead on Easter and vice versa. Easter couldn't have happened. You can't rise from the dead if you weren't dead, right? You can't, you can't do that without, um, and it, and it wouldn't have meant as much if he hadn't suffered for us, right? And died on the cross. So those two things are completely intertwine and i think as catholics a lot we focus on the lent we focus on the good friday whenever uh, a lot of our protestant brothers and sisters or even even like the eastern catholic churches focus on easter their spirituality is on easter it's like we are co-heirs with christ we're victors in christ he has won this battle for us we're thankful for that we're joyous in that like we know that this sin is a thing we know that our our, our sins um all all of our collective sins like we're taken, we're one of the, we're the reason that Jesus was on the cross. But it's just this focus of like, even though those two things are both good that we need to know, good things that we need to know, focusing on this joy. And I, that's why I think Pope Francis is so brilliant in, in pointing this out because we totally need this. Um, so this week, rejoice. Be thankful, show your thankfulness, rejoice that you're Catholic, rejoice that the God of the universe is waiting for you in a piece of bread at mass and in adoration, and he wants to encounter you. And um, Pope Francis is echoing the words of his predecessor, Pope Benedict XVI, who said, being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. So I, th- I think a lot of times, like, just your everyday, normal, g- going to Mass on Sunday Catholic, it, it, sometimes we get stuck in, the, like, uh, oh, being Catholic is an ethical choice. It's like, this is how I'm going to live my life. Or uh, it's a lofty idea, like, oh, being a saint or being a good Catholic is this lofty idea. But what Pope Benedict is saying is, like, it's not just that. It's an encounter with a person. It's a relationship with Christ. And when we have that relationship with Christ, it gives our life a new horizon, new hope, and it gives us a decisive direction. Because it's like that, that's the moment we have to lay everything down and follow Christ, right? And I, I think one of, the, um, one of the things that we get worried about is like, oh, I have to give everything up. It's like, well, you cannot give God, right? Like if, we get, if I give God everything, he, everything that I'm holding on to, like he's going to give us so much more, right? Um, it's funny too, because in the next section, you know, he focuses on joy and then he moves into uh, kind of talking about the culture of our, uh, of our day, the culture of our time. And I thought it was really funny because um, this, this uh, speaks to Black Friday this week. He says that the danger of this age is being caught up in consumerism and in itself. He says, whenever our interior life becomes caught up in our own interests and concerns, there is no longer room for others, no longer a place for the poor, no place for God, right? So whenever we're looking um, in at our own desires, our own interests and our own concerns or the things that like are in what is going on inside of our hearts, inside of our minds, whenever that is something that is not God or not others centered, we're kind of closing in on ourselves and we don't have room to see the need in others to see the need in the people who like don't have food this Thanksgiving to see the need for God. Um, he says that to some extent, I, I love technology and this is a big challenge for me. He says to some extent, our technological society has succeeded in multiplying occasions of pleasure yet has found it very difficult to engender joy. So we can get pleasure easily, right? We can go binge watch Netflix. We can go play video games. Um, there's some other, pleasures that adults seem like to partake in that don't often bring that true joy. It can, it can um, be pleasure, but not that deep, true joy. Right. Um, And and I think it's one of those things like, what are we seeking? Right. So on this black Friday, um, I was actually just looking at black Friday deals uh, the other day and like looking out, it's like, okay, where am I going to find my joy? 
is it going to be in that new game that I got on sale? Is it going to be in uh, in these other things that bling, 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 bring me pleasure? You know, when you're binge watching Netflix and it's like, you have to answer that that mean question of, are you still watching this? It's like, yes, I am still watching this. It's like, we have to make that decisive decision, that, uh, that decision of our direction. Like, where are we going, right? I love Netflix. I love video games. But we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, where does this fit in our life, right? Um, and he says, because of all this, whenever we have this consumerism mentality where we're just looking out on what can give me pleasure and we, for, we don't leave room for God, we don't leave room for others, um, he says, it's because of that that God's voice is no longer heard and the quiet joy of his love is no longer felt. He, he goes on to challenge that many believers, not just you know an atheist or a, a, some, some person from another faith, but many Christian believers, they fall prey to this consumerism mentality and end up resentful, angry, and listless. And this is Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. It just gets me every time, right? Because I'm seeking out pleasure. And I think I'm getting this pleasure, right? Where I I watch 10 shows and I think it's going to bring me so much joy. And then I finish the season or I get that message pop up for the eighth time. Are you still watching? It's like, I'm not really joyful, right? Because a lot of times, not all the time, but sometimes it's like on vacations or something like that. And like, we need rest. Cool. Fine. But a lot of times when we're binge binge watching um, video game or binge watching Netflix or binge playing video games, we're trying to escape from something, right? Trying not to deal with something going on in our hearts. And like, that's where God, we know that if we have this time of stillness, we're not going to, we don't have to deal with what's going on in our hearts and going on in our minds. But God, like that's where God wants to speak to us is in the quiet of our hearts. And we have to give him that time. So instead of, uh, as Pope Francis says, falling prey to it, P-R-E-Y, he wants us to P-R-A-Y. He wants us to pray and to spend time with God. So he finishes up this section and he says, I invite all Christians everywhere at this very moment to a renewed personal encounter with Jesus, or at least an openness to letting him encounter them. The Lord does not disappoint those who take the risk. And whenever we take a step towards Jesus, we come to realize that he is already there waiting for us with open arms. So in this week of Thanksgiving, I just invite you to um, take a moment of quiet and the crazy, busy, hectic, hecticness, I think that's a word, um, of hanging out with your family and, and uh, if you're uh, cooking, if you're traveling, whatever. Like find a moment this week to just have some quiet time to encounter the God that is ready to encounter you. So uh, thanks for listening to Forte Catholic. Um, the show is on podcast. Uh, if you want to check out some of my blogs, I actually have a blog about the Psalms out. Go to ForteCatholic.com. Um, we will be, the podcast will be out tomorrow. If you're listening on the podcast, please like, subscribe, comment. We will be back next week. See ya.